Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Hey, I'm Johnny. I'm one of the pastors here at the Local Church, and it's a joy to be with you today. Uh, This is our third week in this series called Christmas. Christmas. And uh, man, we've been taking a look at the mess that can be made at Christmas outside and inside. Uh, Pastor Eric's not teaching today. Now, he's got four services coming up at the end of this week, and, and he's 40, y'all. He's not as young as he used to be, so you got to rest up. But he's preparing. Uh, if, if you're visiting with us, if you're a guest today, hey, come back and join us. You'll hear more about these services at the end of, uh, of the service today, but we would love to have you back. You can hang out with us, uh, do, a, do a little uh, holiday with us, kind of get to see who we are. We'd love uh, to do that and to hang out with you. Uh, so those four services, Thursday and Friday, again, you're going to hear more about that. But that's just a reminder, y'all, that we are six days away from the big day, right? Six days out from Christmas. Informal poll, how many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? All the way up. Come on, all the way. You're all the way done? Hold them real high. Like, yeah, winner right here. Proud, all the way done. Okay, that's, that's not very many. <laughs> how about, how about if, you're, if, if you're halfway or more, let's see that. Got Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a good amount of folks. That only leaves one more category. Listen, if, if you have not yet started or you're less than halfway, don't raise your hand. Just kind of do this for me. Just kind of bow your head. Just kind of do this. Johnny, I'm sorry. We got a long way to go here. Hey, there's a lot of grace. This is the perfect place for imperfect people, but you got a little ways uh, to go. And it may just be, I'm gonna give you an out here. It may just be that you are a more particular gift buyer for the people you love than that guy who, yeah, done, got it done in 30 minutes. Yeah. Anyway, we are, we are, we are only six days out, but I wanna be real honest with you today. Uh, Christmas isn't my favorite thing. It, it's not my favorite holiday. It's, it, it's, it's just not. I don't know how many other people are like that, but it, it's, it's not my favorite holiday. Thanksgiving, by far, is my favorite holiday. Food, family, faith, fun, football, and a nap. That's, you don't get a better day than that. You just don't. So if Christmas were an extension or a sequel of Thanksgiving, I think we'd have something. Uh, but, but for me, I get it. Listen, I get it. Uh, I, I, I've, I've been through 60 Christmases now. I know what Christmas is, and I, and I get it, um, but it's just not my favorite. Now, my wife, however, Tracy, she balances us out in really wonderful ways, and that's one of them because it is by far her favorite uh, holiday uh, by far. Uh, she does all of the, uh, of this decorating stuff. Now I help with, with, with some of the outside stuff, but we really, uh, over these last few years, we've really downsized our living space, but still every single room is Christmas. I didn't know they made a joy to the world shower curtain, but we have one. We got one. I didn't know that they, that, that, that they made bath towels with, with Christmas stuff on it, but, but they do, and we have one. And, and I get it, again, and I'm glad, really, I am glad that she's that way. Our girls are that way too, Rachel and Sarah both. 
They have their own homes uh, now they, and their own kids. And that's my favorite part of all of it anyway, is the, is the grandkids. I even like to watch my grown kids open presents and, and, and those kinds of things. But they've got their own homes. They decorate. They love it. Their kids love it. So I'm glad. I, I, I just, for me, it's just not my favorite. And here's why. Here's why. Because it all starts like this, right? I mean, it, it starts, everything is, is perfect, man. You've got your home looking really, really good. Uh, all the presents look like this. Uh, the home probably smells good. You might have one of those latte candles or a pumpkin spice or a vanilla. or what? Don't do all three, please. But, but pick one. But, but you might have that. Or it could be food that's baking, that's cooking. Your home smells good. Everybody's got those Christmas pajamas. The family's over. And, and it's all wonderful. And then 10 minutes later, it's a mess, right? 10 minutes. Sometimes, some of y'all, it's not even 10. It's five minutes. And, and, and the whole floor looks like this now. It's, you're stepping on stuff. I don't even know what LOLs are, but I'm stepping on, on those things. And since when did they make children's toys so small? They're all little bitty things now. So not only are you stepping on them, but, but when you're picking this stuff up and putting it in the trash bag, inevitably you throw something away and your little five-year-old granddaughter is now crying. So, so you're gonna go back and you're gonna find that. So you pull it all back out till you find it. You shove it all back in. And we didn't know that took batteries. Why don't they put it on the front of the box? It needs batteries. They put it on the back of the box. Who's supposed to get batteries? Me. I didn't get batteries. So now we got to go and get batteries. And it's only 9 a.m. And Uncle Eddie, we all have one, is into the Coquito. Right? So you know, you kind of know what, what kind of a day it's going to be. It's going to be a real crisp mess. <laughs> now, now, that's a, a little overdramatic uh, probably a lot overdramatic uh, way of, of looking at, at Christmas. But I know this uh, about, about us, that this time of year, the holiday season, can bring a real Christmas in here. It, it can. Things seem bigger during the holidays. Seems, things seem heavier during uh, the holidays. I know this. I experience it. Grief can seem heavier uh, this time of year. We've done a lot of baking. My wife loves to make Christmas cookies and bake. And I've got this is a beautiful cake waiting uh, for, for uh, us to eat today um, that, that, that she made yesterday. And she uses my mom's and her mom's recipes. Now, I miss my mom every day. Since 2009, she went too early. 2009, she's, she's been in heaven. And I'm an unashamed mama's boy. Anybody else? Just say, yep, I am too. And I miss her every day, but especially this time of year because we talk about Nana and we get Nana's recipes out. My girls make Nana's cinnamon rolls. And, and we talk about Mimi. That was Tracy's mom to, to my girls. So, so both sets of moms are in heaven and we miss them. They were rock stars at Christmas and, and rock stars as, as grandmothers, but, but it's heavier. And I know some of you experience that same thing uh, as well. Grief can be heavier. Anxiety can be kicked up a notch or two or three. And I know there's people in here that that's, that you struggle with anxiety. There's lots of triggers for anxiety this time of year. Depression can seem darker uh, this time of year. Addiction can have more of a pull uh, this time of year. Anger can seemingly come out of nowhere this time of year. I'm not a, I'm not a particularly angry guy, but 
man, there's something about going to CVS. I just want my melatonin, you know, but, but depending on the time of day you go, you can't get a parking spot. You walk in, you grab it, and there's eight people in front of you. Everybody's getting extra wrapping paper or stocking stuffers or some chocolate. The coupon lady is at the very front. She's got a basket full of stuff and everything has a coupon and Johnny's getting angry. I just, I just want my melatonin. I just want to go. So anger, all those kinds of, listen, all those kinds of things can, can ramp up and it can become a real mess on the inside this time of year. Now, Pastor Eric took us through 2021 was our year of stewardship. As a church, we did some really cool things, stewarding our resources uh, this, this year. Remember, we gave away not that long ago, over a hundred thousand dollars to the community and to uh, a lot of you folks as, as well. Uh, we stewarded it in ways that help our, our, fa- uh, our familia and our community uh, and, and glorify God. We stewarded that. But we also talked about, probably two or three months ago, we talked about stewarding our mental health, our, our, our mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, all those kinds of things to, to, to steward that. And so here's what I know though. A lot of people who are in church, maybe some of you watching online as well, when we talk about the mess that can be inside of us, here's what we want to present to the world. We want, we want everybody to think we're this. We want everybody to think that we're all buttoned up, taped down, bow on top, nothing wrong here. Hey, bro, how you doing? Oh, we're good. How's your family? Ah, oh, awesome. How's Tracy? Oh, beautiful. How's the kids? Ah, oh, they're doing great. Or if we're churched up, how you doing, man? Oh, blessed and highly favored. You know, we'll throw that one out. We'll throw that one out there. When really, we may be this on the inside. This, may, this probably better describes us most of the time, but this is kind of what we want to present to the world. And so I've titled this week's message in Christmas, I'm not messy, you're messy. Because none of us really want to talk about or admit that this is who we are. That, that, that there are times, and listen, it is true, we're gonna unpack this today, but there's times when each one of us are messy and God's people have always historically been a bit of a mess. And so here's our jumping off point today. We'll put this on the screen for you. If you're following along in the church app, this is fill in the blank. Uh, take some notes today. I would rather be in church with messy people who love God than with religious people who don't like messy people. I really would. I would rather do church with all you messed up people. (laughs) And we can do it together. We can be messy together. We'll lock arms and we'll walk towards Jesus as a community of faith together. I would rather do that than be the religious person who sort of disdains and dislikes the messy people. Now listen, I've been that. There's times when I've been a religious person early on in my Christian walk in, in, in the pastorate even. I was a little bit of a religious person. I would carry the big King James and hit you over the head uh, with it. God taught me that that's a mirror. Listen, take care of your own heart. I'll take care of, of, of theirs. And so I would rather be in church with messy people who love God than with religious people who don't like messy people. Here at the local church, we, want, we, we really take this seriously. In fact, we put it in uh, some of our, uh, our documents. It's official. It's, it's, it's on our website. It's, it, it's official. If you go and search out who we are, uh, our vision statement is that we want to create the perfect place for imperfect people. 
Again, not that we all just stay there. We don't bask in it. We don't take pride in, 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 in our messiness. I'm more messy than you. No, I'm more messy than you. We don't, that's not who we are. But listen, if we don't acknowledge this and at least look at it, and I'm not talking about morbidly preoccupying with it, but I am saying we're going to bring it before God. Again, we're going to unpack some of that today. If we start there, then God can do something with that mess, much more so. He's got a lot of work ahead of him if this is where we try to uh, begin. So we're going to talk about God's people have always been a little bit messy today. We could have gone anywhere in those 66 books in the Bible, anywhere. But you, you, I love the Old Testament. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us back to the book of Exodus. Now, before we put it on the screen, let me just tell you a little bit about where we are. We're going to be in uh, chapter 32. And this is you remember this. This is a, a, the, one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament, the Exodus. The, the Israelites, the Hebrew people, it's the same people. They weren't called Jews till they, they, they got in the promised land in the area of Judah is when they began to call, to call Jews. If I call them that, just let it slide. But the Israelites, the Hebrew people, uh, have been in e Egypt for 400 years, most of that in slavery. They were only favored the very first or second generation there. And then Pharaoh puts them into, uh, into slavery. So when we pick it up today in Exodus 32, they have just been out of Egypt by the hand of God, miracle after miracle, released, crossed over the Red Sea, and, and, and they're now at Mount Sinai. They've been out about 90 days before they, they go to Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up on the mountain. He'll be gone. He'll be up there 40 days himself doing business with God. But these messy people impatient as they are, uh, they, they want something to happen here and it's not happening fast enough for them. Let's see how messy people handle this. Exodus 32 verses one through four says this. Now, when the messy people, it doesn't say that in the original, but we know that they are. I'm going to call them that this morning. When the messy people saw that Moses had delayed coming down from the mountain, the, that's Sinai, the people, the messy people gathered together to Aaron now, Aaron was Moses' brother. Aaron was over the Levites. Aaron would be over uh, the priests uh, as this nation went on. He has an important role. He should know better. But look, they're going to use him. And, and they, they gathered together to Aaron and they said to him, come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. He may have found a ski lodge up there, or he may have fallen off the mountain. We don't know what's become of him. He's taken too long. Aaron, come and, come and make us some gods. And, and Aaron should know better. But look at verse two. Aaron was messy too. And Aaron said to them, okay, break off the gold earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. Stop right there. I have a question. Where do slaves get gold? They'd only been out for 90 days. They didn't have an economy. They didn't have anything. It was biggest, one of the biggest migrations in human history. They don't have a thing. Where did they get gold? If you remember, God favored them the night of the Exodus, and the Egyptians gave them things, gave them precious metals and gold and all of that so that they would have a treasury. Israel would now have a treasury as a nation, as a young nation going forward, where they could then uh, buy for their people or establish a temple or any of those kinds of things. The people are already misusing this gold, and they're already using it like the Egyptians, putting in their ears, adorning themselves like Egypt. They're already feeling this pull back to Egypt. 
Look at verse three. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, the messy people all together, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the molded calf would have been like the bull. The bull was, was a, one of the prime or primary gods of Egypt. They made a molded calf because they were brand new, but they wanted a, a little bull that looked like the big bull of Egypt. Again, slowly being pulled back toward Egypt. And if you remember the story, a couple of chapters before, I'm guessing it was that older generation that was, that was hard-hearted. They, 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 they told Moses and they tried to, t- to get other people to say, hey, we need to go back to Egypt. At least we had food there. At least we had beds there. We need to go back to Egypt. So there's this big pull to go back. Write this in your notes. We become less of a mess when we follow God's truth rather than the world's gold. The Israelites had only been out of Egypt, again, 90 days. Moses is up on the mountain doing business with God. You remember those tablets? Got some important stuff on there. That's what was happening. Uh, the Torah, the first five books of Moses, the first five books uh, of the Old Testament, Moses was getting inspiration for that. If he wasn't already jotting some things down, God was giving him inspiration uh, for that Torah I mean, important things going on. And I want you to understand, their mess wasn't without merit. It wasn't, this mess of the, of the Israelites wasn't just out of nowhere. It wasn't totally without merit. There were uncertainties. There were lots of uncertainties. These million people that, that, that exited, they're, they're out in the desert. They're, they're hanging out around the bottom of a mountain. They don't have an army. They don't have walls. They don't have a city. They're, they're, they're kind of vulnerable out there. They don't know where they're going yet. They don't know how they're going to feed their, their kids. They don't know what they're going to do for a living. There were uncertainties in the people of God back then, and there still are today. Don't think it's strange that your life isn't just all laid out by God and it's just perfect, and there's no uncertainties, there's no worry, there's no stress, there's no doubt, there's no darkness, there's none of that. It's always going to be uncertainties. Listen, we're not home yet, church. We're still in the midst of a fallen world. We still have a real enemy. We're not home yet. You're going to wake up tomorrow with uncertainties. It's okay. God provides for that. But, but, so, so there were uncertainties. But listen to this. I, I look at it and I'm going, you know what though? They had, they had plague after plague after plague. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. All of them favored Israel and hurt Pharaoh until Pharaoh finally is ready to say, okay, enough, go. And, and they go. So they saw all those miracles profiting them, hurting Pharaoh. He lets them go. They give them gold on the way out. They cross over the Red Sea on dry ground. Don't let that get by you. It wasn't even muddy. They go on dry ground. They look back and the sea closes on Pharaoh's army. They saw all of this, but rather than trusting in that, rather than trusting in God's truth, they begin to be pulled back to Egypt. Again, some of those folks said, let's go back. They start putting gold in their ear. They start fashioning an Egyptian God. 
Egypt had a pull on them. But here's what I want us to see. And everybody, I want you to listen to this. Everybody in the room, because if you don't take one thing away other than this, take this away today. They didn't live there anymore. They had crossed over. They were free. They had been freed by the hand of God, by the mercy, the goodness, the grace of God had freed them. They crossed over the Red Sea. They didn't live there anymore. And for some of us in the room, those of us who are in Christ, those of us who know Jesus, you can expect a pull from the world. You can expect a pull from that thing that used to enslave you. You can expect to be drawn back to some of those things, but you need to look at them and you need to tell them, I don't live there anymore. You need to tell that anxiety, I don't live there anymore. Tell that depression, I don't live there anymore. Tell that addiction, I don't live there anymore. Tell that anger, Johnny, I don't live there anymore. Tell that sin, that lust, that pornography, that greed, that pride, that jealousy, I don't live there anymore. I've crossed over. And it's true about you. If you are in Christ, you've crossed over. You are out of Egypt, my friend. You didn't cross over the Red Sea, but you crossed over the blood of Christ. And through that, you've been set free. God gave them, the Israelites, a new hope, a new future, a, a, a new beginning. He gave them uh, new meaning, new identity, new purpose, all those things. He's done the same for you as well. You don't live there anymore. I love that. You have every right to live before Christ with peace in your heart. You have every right to, to live in Christ no matter what's going on around you. You can have the most wonderful, abiding, joyful relationships with Jesus. You can be of sound mind and you can be of strong faith because we don't live there anymore. Now, God gave, amen, yes. God gave God, God gave these Israelites, yes, they didn't live there anymore. They need to look at that and they need to say that. They needed to say that in their community of faith as well. They needed to encourage one another with that. But God gives them something to hold on to. I love this about God. He gives us something with bite. He gives us something that we can hold on to in, in the midst of all of that uncertainty, in the midst of that pool of Egypt to go back. He gives us something, church. He gave it to them. It's called the Shema. The Shema. Now, don't lose me on this. The, the, the Shema. It's a Hebrew word. But, but the Shema led to their shalom. It led to their peace. A lot of you have heard of that word shalom. Inner peace. God wants his people to be at inner peace. Inner peace and well-being. No matter what's going on in your circumstances, inner peace. He wants you to have that, that shalom. And he gave them the Shema to have that bite, to hold on to. And it's so important that he told them, you should talk about this in the morning when you get up. Talk about it with your children. Teach it to your children. Talk about it before you go to bed at night. And they would chant as they went into battle. They would chant the Shema. They would also chant some of the Psalms as well. He gave them the word of God. He gave them things with bite to hold on to. Let's look at it. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. It says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Leave that up for just a second. Leave up 6-4 for just a second. Hear, O Israel, listen to me, God is saying, O Israel. Have ears to hear. 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord God, Lord is Yahweh, God is, is Elohim. Lord is the more personable side of God. Remember, he just said it. He's one God. He's not, this isn't polytheism like all the, like Egypt and all the other uh, nations around them would have had many gods. We see uh, a little vestiges of that in the East today. But the Lord God is one. Lord is Yahweh. Lord is the personal God. Lord, Lord is, uh, Yahweh is the, is the side of God that walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's the side of God that knows how many hairs are on your head. That's the side of God that is your friend. That's the side of God that you have relationship with. Lord, God is Elohim. That's the strong side. That's the mighty side. That's the creator, the sustainer of all there is, the all-knowing, all-powerful God. The Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, is one. And he says in the next verse, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, this was, this was new. This was new for, for, for Israel. This is called a monotheistic creed. It's one God. Again, all their other neighbors would have been polytheistic. They weren't to be like all their other neighbors. God gave them something here to hang on to. Uh, and their devotion and worship was, to, was really to go to him alone. They weren't to go back. They were to hold on to this. And again, uncertainty is still there. Uh, as you read, as you go through Exodus and and, and, and you, Leviticus is, is more just a, a, a creedal type book. There's not a lot of narrative in there. But you, but you go through Numbers, you go through Deuteronomy, then you go through Joshua and Judges, the, the, the settlement of the land. You see, man, Israel has lots of enemies. We know about the Philistines because that's David, but that's later. Early on, they had lots of, of enemies. Uh, Jebusites, Hittites, Ammonites, mosquito bites. I would, I would guarantee you that they fought mosquitoes out there in the desert at, at some point. But, but now they had something to hold on to. They had the word of God to hold on to. They would fight vertically now. They could hold on to that. They would chant that. That would be in their hearts. God is my strength. God's going to fight our battles for us. They didn't fight going back. And so God gives us that Shema to hold on to, to, to find that peace of God inside of us. Now, something interesting, a little side note, it took one, it only took one night for Israel to, to leave Egypt, right? One, one night, because they were up in the north anyway. If you read Genesis, they, they were in Goshen when they came down with Joseph, and that's kind of where they settled. So they weren't that far away from the northern border anyway. So it only took one night for these million people or so to migrate out of Egypt but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. They had to wander in that desert till that old generation, let's go back to Israel, make us gods that look like Israel, put gold in our ears that look like, I'm sorry, Egypt, put gold in our ears that look like Egypt. They had to spend 40 years to get that out of them. These things don't always go away or die down easily. Sometimes this mess hangs around a little bit. But God is with us the whole way. Here's, this won't be on the screen, but either write it in your notes or just park it in your brain somewhere. We still have an enemy. We, we still have enemies. We, the New Testament informs us, though, that we have one. Our enemy is not really flesh and blood. Our, our enemy is, is Satan himself. If the devil can't outfight you, he will outweigh you. 
If he can't win today, he'll be back tomorrow. Beat him tomorrow, he'll be back the next day. Win this week, he'll be back next week. If he can't outfight you, he will outweight you. So a lot of this that we bring to God is progressive. This becoming less of a mess is a progressive walk with God. So don't get in a hurry. Don't get discouraged. Be patient with God. Most of all, be patient with yourself as we bring these things before God. Now, that's the Old Testament, the Shema, the, the Shalom, and, and, and how, how the, uh, the, the, the Israelites were to grab hold of that. But we're in, a different, we're in a different era. We're in a totally different era. I mean, we're in the era of grace. We're in the era of Christ. But God still gives us something to hold on to in his word. He still gives us this Shema that, will, that, can, that can lead to Shalom, lead to this inner peace. This inner peace now is found in Christ. It's found in a person. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at, at this transition between the old and the new, this transition. And what's interesting is this piece of scripture we're going to look at. The Exodus was about 1440 B.C., and, and what we're going to look at is about 700 BC. So we're going to look at the birth, uh, Isaiah talking about the birth of Jesus. And it's halfway between the Exodus and the incarnation comes this encouragement from Isaiah, this transition from the old Shema, which were words, to the new Shema, which is in a person. Let's look at it. Isaiah 9, 6. It says this, for unto us a child is born. You guys know this. We're going to celebrate this. Uh, in, in six days, this day, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Okay, that, that's Jesus, and the government will be upon his shoulder. This isn't Republican and Democrat. Please don't ever think that that's what this is. The, this is. This is the kingdom of God. This is bigger than all of that. This is God's economy. This is God's grace, his mercy, his goodness, his salvation, and his judgment. All of that are on the shoulders of the Savior. All of that is on Christ. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. There's the Yahweh. There's the personal side. Mighty God. There's the Elohim side. Everlasting Father. There's the Elohim side. Prince of Peace. There's your personal side. He's, he's given us this birth, this person to come for us to really hang on to. And, and, and here's what I love is that this Lord God, this Yahweh Elohim God steps out of eternity. He steps out of glory, the incarnation. He puts on flesh. He becomes one of us. He steps out of glory and into your reality. And that simply means this, that you will never be alone. I don't care if you don't have family down here in South Florida. You'll never be alone. You'll never be abandoned. You'll never be forsaken. God didn't leave heaven and come down into our reality to abandon you, forsake you, or leave you alone. You will never be left alone. You'll never be abandoned, and you'll never be forsaken because God has come near. Now, He's given us other things all throughout the New Testament. And those of you who, who are Bible readers or you study the Bible and you need to be, every single one, uh, if, you, if Jesus is your savior, you need to be in the word of God. And the New Testament has all kinds of places. The Old Testament does too. We just read that. Rich in places for you to hang on to. But, but the New Testament does too. It has all these wonderful places that, that, that you can find the Shema, just like the Old Testament. It's rich. The, Paul, the, the writings of, of Paul are rich in grace and mercy of Jesus that you, that you can step into with your mess and be made different. 
I want to I want to show you where I go. Okay, this is again, you could go anywhere. My mom, when she was passing away, um, Philippians four, right around beginning in verse eight was hers. It's not going to be on the screen or anything, but, but as she was passing away that year of her diagnosis, and she knew that, that she was going to step into glory one day that, that, that Philippians four, whatsoever things are good and pure and right and holy and just and of good report, think on these things and the God of peace will guard your heart and mind. Military term, guard your heart and mind through Jesus. That was something that was like a Shema for her. She fought that battle uh, of, of the head and the heart when you know that, that you are going to transition out of this world and into, into the next. That can come with some lonely nights to it, some unsure things to it. But she fought that battle hanging on to, to what God gave her, the Shema. She fought that battle with hope. She fought that battle uh, in the Lord. I saw it. I got to talk, talk to her. But here's where I go. Uh, again, here's where I take... Uh, my mess, either outside or, or inside. Uh, it's, it's the last verse of Romans 11 and the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at this. Paul's talking here and, uh, and it says this, for of him, to him, and through him are all things. Okay. That's the grandness of God. Uh, there's that Elohim, big creator, sustainer of him, through him, and to him are all things. That's the end of chapter 11. But, but look at Romans chapter 12. Remember in the original, they didn't have these chapter and verse. That's just for us to roadmap it. And then it says, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, I encourage you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. If, if Romans 11.36 is true, and it is, of him, to him, and through him are all things, our reasonable next step is God, what can I do then to be of service to you? I present my body to you, top, bottom, inside and out. Oh, and I'm bringing this with me because this is part of who I am. A lot of times we think we have to dress that up. Oh, I'm going to go before God. I better bring in my religious self. I want to bring him this. Don't do that. God wants you to bring this. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. So your reasonable service, God, what can I do? How can I serve you? How can I, how can I live in your kingdom today in ways that glorify you and honor you? Who can I talk to? Who can I influence? I'm going to give away a smile. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to give away my story. If you put somebody in my, in my way today, God, I want to be used by you. That's our reasonable service, Paul says. And then 12.2, finally, when we do that, we won't be conformed to the world. This won't win. This won't become our identity. We won't go back to Egypt. I'm not going to be conformed to the world because of him, to him, and through him are all things. And I'm submitting myself to him. And I'm bringing myself as a living sacrifice. Now, you have to be ready because living sacrifices try to crawl off the altar. Okay, we do that sometimes. But I take myself right back. I'm a living sacrifice. God, what, how can I serve you today? When I do that and I bring this with me, because I'm not hiding it, he wants me to bring this, then I'm not conformed to the world, but I become transformed. I become transformed. My mind becomes renewed. I'm grabbing hold of the word of God. I'm renewing my mind in him through serving, through praying, through reading, through giving myself away in the kingdom of God. I become renewed and I become slowly and surely less and less of a mess. Less and less of a mess, church. 
Listen, I'm going to close there. But I want to give you hope this morning. Because again, I know that, that this time of year, it can bring out that heaviness. Again, we just talked about it. Grief can be stronger. Anxiety can ramp up more. Depression can be darker. Addiction can be more of a pull. Anger can come out of nowhere. All of these, all of these things are to be brought before God. Please don't make this your goal. Your goal isn't to be religiously perfect. Don't, don't make that your goal. But also understand that in him, this isn't your identity either. And when we bring it to him, we become less and less of a mess. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, you're a good God. You stepped out of glory, out of your love, your care, your compassion for those that you created. You stepped out and you became one of us so that we could be different. So Lord, I pray for those in the room. I pray for those watching online who may not know you. They may not have crossed over yet. They may not have crossed over the blood of Jesus and to that other side and where there's new mercy and new grace. Lord, my prayer for them today is they would just say yes to Jesus. They would say something like, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I believe you're the savior. I can't save myself. I believe that you, 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 put, you put on flesh and you became one of us to save us. I confess, Lord, you as savior. I confess my sin before you. I confess you as savior. Come into my heart, God. Save me. Make me new, Lord. Make me less of a mess, God. Lord, I pray that people would pray that today. And Father, I pray for others. Lord, those who have crossed over, but Egypt is pulling strong. Lord, I pray that, Father, fill them with your Holy Spirit that we sing about. God, change them, grow them. I pray they don't go back. But Lord, they grab hold of you. They grab hold through prayer, through your word. They grab hold of the Lord God. And Lord, you fight that battle and you see them through. Lord, we're thankful people today. We're a mess, but we're thankful. We're your mess, God. We're thankful for who you are and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember... You matter to God and you matter to us.